Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. It's been a couple weeks since a new pod has dropped. The last one was a really great episode with my friend Pete White. Um, For any of you that have not gone and listened to that episode, I suggest to head back, pull that one up, listen to that, as well as all the other ones that we've dropped up to now. Um, There's a lot of great guests in the catalog a lot of great sobriety advice from everybody and and just a lot of um you know ways to live now that you've found your sobriety or if you're struggling to find it it gives you a good glimpse into what life could be like if you can get on the path um this week i wanted to make sure that i got something out again it's been a little bit i don't have a guest this week so it's just myself that's not your gig, just listening to me talk. It is a great time to go back and listen to one of those old ones. Um, but I just felt it was important to get something so that you all know that I'm still here, that this is still going. Um, it's just been a little bit of a hectic time in my life, and uh, I just haven't had the the time to, to record an episode, and that happens. And I had to prioritize, <clears throat> you know, certain things and not pressure myself to get this out there. Um, It's something that I work on and struggle with, uh, you know, the prioritization, uh, making sure that I'm getting enough rest, that I'm concentrating on what is most critical. And that helps me, you know, maintain some calm and really, uh, you know, is a tool that I've employed over the past you know, 11 years of sobriety is, is, is managing my time as best I can. Um, you know, like I said, the past three weeks, four weeks have been a real pressure cooker on my end, and there hasn't been a lot of time. Um, the old version of me probably would have tried to figure out a way to do this at, you know, one, two in the morning, and it wouldn't have served anybody. So here I am today, just trying to catch up and talk about a couple of things that I've been doing and seeing in the news and just things that are on my mind. It's probably going to be a short episode, um, but nevertheless, let's get on with it. So the first thing I wanted to touch on was uh, Renee and I have been watching a new show on TV. Well, it's new to us. It's probably old to some of you and, and maybe something that you've heard about, but it's The Bear. Um, it's an FX production. It's uh, just a high level, um, you know, synopsis of it is it's a story about a young chef who sort of reached the pinnacle in his career at a very young age and has moved home to Chicago to take over his family's, you know, quick service Chicago beef uh, restaurant. 
Um, it's got a great cast. Uh, Jeremy Allen White is is on the show, who I just adore. Um, Oliver Platt, uh, Io Edabari is brilliant in the show. Uh, Joel McHale from Community has a quick appearance. It, it's a really fun show. And again, really great actors. Um, for me, I will say that the past two shows with Jeremy Allen White have really hit me in a way that uh, shows sometimes do with me. Um, and when they do, they, they hold a special place. He was on Shameless and played Lip on Shameless. For those of you who haven't watched Shameless, definitely not everybody's cup of tea. Funny show, very raunchy. Um, not one you're watching with your children and maybe not one that you're interested in at all. But in Shameless, Jeremy played a character that, you know, I always said was somebody that I was probably a heartbeat away from becoming if things had just turned out a little bit differently in my childhood with my parents. Um, and because of that, I really felt this sort of endearment to his character and many of the others on that show. And in The Bear, it's very similar. So, um, spoiler alert, if you want to pause uh, now, it's probably a good time. I'll give you a second. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. All right, so in the show, the reason that um, the character Carmi has to go back and take over the family business is that his brother Michael um, dies by suicide. And um, some of you may have listened to some of my episodes. Some of you may have not. But I, um, I myself have experienced that loss in my immediate family. Um, back in 2017, my mom took her life in November. So this time of year is a tricky time for me. Um, one where I'm sort of really hyper aware of what happened. Um, I can relive sort of almost every day in, in some way from that year in this time period, anywhere between September and, and November 27th. Um, and then, and then the following, but I, it's something that has just been really, um, part of who I am since then it's changed me a lot and it's changed my family i think i've said that on here um but watching this show sort of specifically in this time period has been really interesting for me um the episodes are about 20 25 minutes without commercial somewhere in that neighborhood and we um a couple nights there were some episodes where i think we i said, hey, I, I can only do the one, right? It's just a, it, there's a lot of hard subjects in there. Um, but it, it's been interesting for me to see how Carmi's dealing with it because it's still so new to him and all the people around him. And you can kind of see how everybody is dealing with it. Anybody that knew the brother are all dealing with it in much different ways. And then you can see how the people... Uh, who were maybe not as close to, to the person who took their life, how they sort of interact with the characters. Um, so like how people are interfacing with Carmi is different than maybe how they did uh, before that death. 
and for me, that's something that has been very clear, like, and something that I still don't know how to handle um, seven years out is, is how people, you know, look at me and, and interface with me, it, specifically if they knew my mom. Um, there's just a different, it's a different feeling relationship. It's not the same as it was. And it's probably not the same as it would have been had she just died, right? Like if she had just died of illness, sickness, um, old age, anything like that, I think a lot of those relationships would have kind of maintained the same tenor as they did before uh, she passed. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case, and I'm living through it. And it's just, this is a really long way to say that I think the bear um, and the writers of, and, and Jeremy Allen White specifically, have done a really good job of catching the essence for people who don't understand what it's like to navigate this world. Um for me, it's been, you know, seven years of learning new ways to to deal with things. Um, you know, a lot of people around me will say I haven't really dealt with the the, the grief in the way that they might have. Um, but we all do that on, on our own timeline and in our own way. Um, I am different. I, I think that there's some things in me that have changed for the better. Some things have definitely, you know, changed for the worse, but this is where I'm at. And, um, you know, every time I see a story or read a book or, or anything like this, that, that tackles this subject in a, in just a smart way, um, I like to highlight it. You know, I wish, you know, there was a post I saw on LinkedIn the other day. Um, unfortunately a father had lost his son and I believe he was a thousand days out or something like that. And he wrote his his 10 lessons for, for dealing with this type of grief uh, a thousand days out. And I wish I could remember the post. I wish I had copied it. I could probably go back and find it. But, you know, he had so many things that he, he said that resonated with me. And they were, you know, many of them related to the interpersonal relationships how he feels he should be living his life now, um, really living his life. And it's just a, you know, I, I, I got to imagine that if you know somebody who was, you know, murdered or taken in an accident or, or, you know, any sort of very shocking loss, we all kind of have the same world to navigate. And my heart goes out to anybody that's had that. And, you know, but... F for all of us, it's finding a path forward. And we all find a different path. Um, you know, some of us take a little bit longer. And I think one of the big things is, is finding a little bit of um, community it, to talk to um, about it. I, you know, even a normal loss is, you know, if you, you know, just, it, it's a hard world, grief. And I had a woman to me, a woman come up to me the other night at an event I was speaking at. And I was talking about this idea that every September to November, that I kind of go into a different spot mentally, right? Like I'm dealing with my grief very much so in, in this finite uh, time period. And she asked, you know, how, how am I doing it? And you know, that is she going to 
feel this way every, you know, August, September, because her husband died in that, in that time frame. And I, my answer was, I don't know, right? It's, it's her journey. Um, you know, she hadn't really dealt with any of it up to that point. And I, my suggestion to her was to go find, you know, not only an individual therapist, but a group, um, you know, in her case, maybe for widowers. So she could understand that she's not alone, right? That other people have gone through this and they could come out the other side in, in a reasonable manner, that it's not the end of your life because somebody else's life ended. Um, and again, I think, I think the bear is dealing with it in a really, a really good way. They're showing Carmi still living. They're showing him struggle still, right? And he's, he's also navigating this world of uh, his brother's addiction. So you get a little glimpse into NA, uh, not NA, sorry, Al-Anon. Um, and, you know, that's a whole nother world that, that some people don't know. And they're just doing it in a very smart way. And I just, I felt it was uh, critical for me to get on here and talk about this a little bit. Um, I do think that it's dug up some emotions on my end. Um, I, since my mom passed, I've had two two dreams about her uh, up until this past week. Um, both of those were not great. Uh, they were not dreams I woke up from and felt good about. Um, and I hadn't had one with her in there since. And uh, this last week I had a dream about her and you know the specifics i don't 100 percent remember but i do remember she was there she was vibrant um we were celebrating the birth of a new not me i wasn't celebrating the birth of a new child but somebody was and there was just a lot of joy in the dream and it made me feel you know hopeful and good um which was a a, a nice feeling related to her because a lot of times when I'm looking back there's a lot of still a lot of negative feelings um, if I'm being completely honest with you all which I try to do and it's it's something that I gotta start to frame and and try to remember the good times and understand that you know what happened happened and we're here and we're moving forward and and we've established a good life since so that's my bear talk wrapped up a little bit in my mom. I did think about doing a whole episode about, episode about my mom and talking a little bit about, you know, our past and kind of the whole story, but I don't know that I'm ready to do that. And I don't know that I'm the one to tell it alone. Um, I've thought about having my brother on, talking to him a little bit. Um, I've thought about having her best friend on and talking to her a little bit. Um, I just don't know how to deal with it, but I think it's a story that I want to tell. Um, I just want to tell it, you know, factually and, uh, you know, really try to, again, highlight some of the good, highlight some of the challenges and make sure that it's not just my voice being heard. Um, I think even though I am heard legally now that I signed all that paperwork uh, <laughs> after she died. Um, so that's that. Um, the other thing is last night, uh, you know, I'm just going to jump through some stories now. Last night we heard that Matthew Perry died. 
Um, for those of you who don't know Matthew Perry, he is an actor here in America, um, famous for playing Chandler Bing on the show Friends, one of the better snarky, sarcastic characters of all time. Um, you know, Matt struggled over the years with addiction. Um, I don't know the specific of his story, but I believe his was more narcotic-based pills. Um, he really did sort of have a hard time, but as of recently had found some really good time in sobriety, and he was helping people, and he wrote a book, and I've seen the outpouring online in my sober communities of people who he touched and helped, and his book and his words helped, and you know, losing a voice like that's a big deal. Um, because he did have such a reach, you know, I think that, uh, people in the, in the public eye who come out and share their struggles, but then share their triumphs can really do a a world of help in, in our, uh, you know, our journey to get more people to find the path of recovery. Um, you know, be it, Matt Perry or Dax Shepard or, you know, Jason Isbell. There's just some voices that have really resonated and you can see that they are leading a life worth living without their their drug of choice. And to lose somebody like that um, at 54 is is really hard. Um, All we know about the story right now is that he drowned in his hot tub. I believe he came back from playing pickleball. Um, Two hours later, he was dead. So... I have no other information, and this is really just, again, um, you know, one, the fact that he was doing well and then and then just passed is just so sad. Um, and two, you know, maybe this is a reminder uh, to, to others to go out and, and read his work. Um, I have not read it. I, I think that I might go out and pick up that book and see what he was talking about specifically, but I do know that it touched a lot of people and, and helped them find some some solid time in this world of, of recovery. Um, the other story this week that <clears throat> really hit me hard, and, and more so my wife, Renee, was uh, the shooting in Maine. Um, so every shooting hits me hard. Uh, any of these mass shootings that we have in America, I just don't... I don't understand how we continue to have them, how we continue to think that this is okay, how we're not really looking at this comprehensively. You know, we continue to sort of push away these these issues, these these awful just structural society issues that we have here, uh, mass shootings, um, lack of good health care, um, you know, poverty, um, you know, people who can't eat, homelessness, Um, you know, they're all sort of intertwined in our society, I think. And, you know, we just, it's like we see this issue and we just decide that it's too big to solve and we're just going to let it go, right? It's, you know, we don't even try to like sweep it into the closet. We just kind of hope that the story dies out and that there's enough time between the next one that you know, again, nobody in power is going to have to really deal with it. I I know that there's been some talks, um, but they go nowhere. And it's just 
alarming um, to me that that's how we are structured. Um, this has been going on to some extent um, for a good amount of my adulthood. Um, I was, I don't even remember what, how old I was when Columbine happened, but I was older. Um, I was out of high school, so it didn't, you know, it didn't, I didn't get that whole scare of school shootings. Um, but both my boys have lived through it. They lived through active shooter drills. There's signs in there. Um, you know, there's signs in my young son's bathroom about what to do if there's a shooting, um, which always scares the shit out of me when I'm at a school uh, using the bathrooms. And to be honest, this is the second time that I've talked about a mass shooting on this podcast. Um, in my first episode, uh, we talked about, uh, not my first, but my first with the one of my early episodes, we talked about the shooting in Nashville. And um, again, they all resonate with me. The one in Maine resonated a little closer to home. Um, Renee, myself, and my boys, we spend a lot of time in Maine. Um, I like to call it my home away from home. Um, we have family there. We have friends there. And it's someplace that we've always felt we go there. It's safe. It's our area of, uh, you know, to rejuvenate. And it just hit, it hit harder. Um, again, not, not that all of them don't hit hard because they do. Um, but I'm imagining that when it's in your community, it is, again, this, this deep grief that you just can't explain to the rest of the world and the rest of the world can't understand it until it happens to them in their yard, in their home, in their school. And it's, you know, even though you can say, oh, that is an awful event, it's like until it's right in your face and you're confronted with it, you are kind of not aware of how devastating something can be. And, you know, it shouldn't take that kind of feeling to do something about uh, th this item in particular, right? Um, these mass shootings. There's a solution. Um, and I don't want to get into uh, my thoughts on Second Amendment rights um, because they don't matter in, in this um, discussion. Um, my, my individual rights, you know, at this point, I want something to be done structurally that stops these events. Um, you know, there's this, I was talking at an event about safety the other night, or it was actually called trauma-based design, um, where I, I was on a panel and we were talking about, you know, building design and, and building around traumas that people have. Um, you know, and these could be, you know, big T trauma, little T trauma, um, you know, Big T being some life event that we're trying to avoid, a murder, uh, a really bad injury, something that you've experienced that is so, you know, that shakes the ground underneath your feet, or the little T's, the things that happen to us all the time, right? Uh, financial insecurities, food insecurities, maybe you broke up with your girlfriend in high school and it still bothers you, or maybe, you know, and, and those accumulate, right? So the little T's accumulate, the big T's are like there and they kind of have this major impact. And we were talking about security and like, you know, does having somebody at your place of work carrying a gun or your school carrying a gun make you feel safer? And I never thought about it, but 
you know, one of the women on the panel with me was like, normally the, the response that we get from people that we talk about is, no, it doesn't make you feel safer to have a person with a gun. You know, it sort of raises your hackles to make you think like, what, what can be happening here that somebody needs a gun? And I've been going in and out of Manhattan for work over the past couple of weeks. And I go in through the, the new uh, path train to the World Trade Center, comes in under the Oculus. I go up a flight of stairs and I'm confronted by men in military fatigues holding giant guns. And every time I see it, the same thought goes through my head. What's going on today that these two, three, four people are standing right here with guns? Like, did I miss a story? So, you know, I don't know that the solution for people to feel safe is another person with a gun. Um, I think it's it's a larger solution than that, you know. Um, I do, you know, more guns don't solve this problem. And that is something that I hear a lot of from one side, you know, I also feel, I hear, you know, take away every gun. Um, and I don't know that that's the solution either, right? Like there is a middle ground. Um, you know, I know plenty of people, I live in a very rural area. They've grown up hunting. They enjoy it. They use the meat to eat. And it is something that is, you know, uh, you know, ingrained in our, in our culture. Um, to take that away would also be hard. So I think it's a nuanced solution. And sometimes, you know, right after an event, nuanced conversations are hard to happen. Um, I think in general right now, in, in the year 2023, nuanced conversations are really hard to have um, because of the polarization and because of social media. And you sort of plant your flag on one side or the other. And then once you do, you you can't walk off of it. You feel like this, this sort of allegiance. It's a very team-driven sport. Um, and I just think we need to, to come together, have hard conversations, listen to each other, um, and, and find a path forward, um, not only for, you know, uh, us now, but like the people of the future that haven't been born. You know, I, I was hoping that there'd be a solution by the time my kids were older. And now, you know, my oldest is out of high school and he's lived the whole thing. No solution. My youngest is in the middle. I'm going to take a guess that we're not going to find it by the time he gets out either. And that is just, just not okay uh, for a country in our state, uh, you know, state of uh, prosperity. So that's that. Um, and then the larger one that I just, I, you know, Again, I don't even know how to have the conversation, but, uh, the, you know, the events in, uh, events in Israel and Gaza, um, all of them are horrific. The, the initial event on October 7th in Israel where Hamas goes in and takes hostages and, you know, tons of devastation through the country of Israel and, you know, just a, another terrorist organization um, you know, acting just barbarically. Um, and then again, without much thought, um, there's a, there's an equal, uh, reaction. Um, I know there's thought, but it's just, it's, again, it's so fast to react, right? Like to Gaza and Palestine and, and, 
and you know it's it's supposed to be targeted at Hamas, but then it ends up being targeted at other people. Um, so all of a sudden we have two very, very uh, sad events happening towards populations of people who have nothing to do with this this, this political uh, conflict, um, you know, and you have innocents being taken hostage. You have innocent people being killed. You have innocent people not having access to, to water. Um, you know, I heard last week that people in Palestine have access to about a liter of water a day right now, which is well under the UN, uh, you know, regulation for what anybody should have for water in a day. Um, think about a, what a liter is. It's, it's half of a, a soda bottle. Um, that's for all of your, your needs. That's for drinking, showering, bathing. Um, that is not enough. And, you know, Palestine has a very young population. You're dealing with a lot of people. I, I think it's 50% are under the age of 18. Um, again, so this is really just affecting a lot of children. It, it's a bad situation at the same point. You know, I know Israel's waiting for these hostages to be released. Again, an awful situation. I cannot wrap my head around either side of this conflict. Um, you know, I've been <clears throat> somebody who admittedly hasn't fully understood it. It's very complex. It's a long history. And for me to jump in in 2023 and have some monumental take on this would be sort of crazy. Um, I, I don't think... You know, I'm an expert at this at any any means, but, you know, in our new world, our social media world, uh, most people go out and, and feel that they have a very good understanding of anything that happens uh, hours after it happened, days after it happened. Um, I see a lot of people planting flags, again, on one side or the other of this conflict. Um, very few nuanced takes out there. Um, so the information that most people are taking in is very one-sided, um, geared towards one solution. Um, and, I, and I don't, again, I don't know if that's where we're at. I think everything has this, this space in between and this room for conversation and understanding. And it's very hard to have that conversation when people are dying, people are held hostage. I... I get that. Um, but when we when we rush into a situation and, and try to have a, a fast reaction, right? It's the take the guns. It's the, you know, we need more guns. It's that we should bomb. You know, we got to do X, Y, Z in, in retaliation. You know, days after, minutes after, hours after, whatever it is. I, I just don't know that that's ever going to work. I think all that does in the end of the day is creates more polarization, more opponents to your cause. Um, you know, we watched Homeland uh, in our house, which was the series with Claire Danes, and they, you know, they dealt a lot of in the Middle East. And, you know, uh, much of what was shown there were people being killed, bombed, and then sort of what what does that mean in the long run? for people in, in the Middle East? And how does that affect, say, a 13-year-old who lost his parents, her parents? Like, how does then she react to the world? Um, and, and it wasn't good, right? It wasn't a good 
a good way. They felt very, um, you know, emboldened to sort of take a very sort of radicalized stance normally. And I just wonder if by continuing these sort of escalations, uh, one, we're going to create more of that. And two, you know, lest anybody forget that Ukraine and Russia are in the middle of a, a war as well. You know, we, we have a very shaky sort of global position right now going on. Um, you have Russia and China talking to each other. Now you have Hamas, who's Iran-backed. Um, Hezbollah is to the north of Israel, you know, waiting to go at any given point in time. And, you know, the West is sort of really holding this line and, again, funding more war and more weapons. And, you know, we just approved another $100 billion worth of uh, funds from the U.S. that are going to go to um, somewhat to help in the Israel situation, but $60 billion of that is going to Ukraine. So there's this massive war uh, time thing going on outside of our view here in the U.S., but yet all of it could be that, that one domino that starts this, this global war, and you just don't know when it happens. Um, so, again, like I just... I, I wonder if these are times for more nuanced conversation rather than planting that flag that you feel so emboldened to plant, you know, or that post that is so dead set one way or the other. And, you know, it, it's not, well, I don't know that we're there. I think there's so much conversation that has to happen and people hate having hard conversations. That is something I know fully from being in this world of recovery. Um, I hated having them before I found my, my sobriety and before I found a little bit of empathy and before I was somebody who could, you know, express my feelings. Um, to sit and talk and to, to try to see something through somebody else's eyes is such a difficult thing. And it's so much easier to just snap judgment. Um, and I listen, I still have a hard time from time to time. There's certain people I just can't see their way. And I, I get it. But you know what? I continue to try to see their way. And there's very few times where I'm out there actively fighting against anybody. I don't think it, it, it works. I don't think it helps. Um, I, that's how I've run my professional life. I'm very, you know, down the middle. I, I lead with kindness. I lead with truth. And for me, that's that's worked. I've been able to ascend, you know, the corporate ladder to a point where I feel comfortable. Um, maybe if I was a little bit more aggressive, maybe I could go higher. I don't know, but I would have to sort of change my, my moral compass maybe to get there. Um, but I'm going to continue on uh, navigating the world the way I do. And I just, I just urge everybody to think, um, think critically, read listen, you know, take information in from as many sources as you can, um, and, and then start to form opinions. Don't form snap opinions because it's just going to get you enraged. Uh, you, you, you take the headline bite. You, you hear one story on your favorite news channel, you, you, and then you go with that. And then, you know, a year later, you realize you went down this wrong hole. 
it's hard to climb out of those holes sometimes. So just be careful. Um, protect yourself, specifically those of you who are in early recovery. Um, you know, diving into subjects like this can be can be tricky. Um, you know, even even again with eleven years, it's hard to to focus on these items sometimes. Sometimes I got to give myself a break. It's like I can't always give myself time to to focus on things bigger than myself. Um, I like to, but that doesn't mean I can do it. So, um, all right. That's my, my wisdom. I feel like I just talked people's ears off and they probably are not uh, still tuned in. But if you are, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, as JC says, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And I appreciate that. Um, also, there's a, a Jay-Z exhibit in Brooklyn that I want to get to, and I saw it on uh, CBS Mornings. I think everybody should get there. Jay-Z is a genius. He is a artist, a businessman, and, and just somebody who we could all learn something from. So get to Brooklyn if you're in the area. Check that out. Um, that would be my one recommendation for the week. And again, the bear... Uh, as far as TV shows go, music, I got nothing for you this week. Uh, I've kind of been listening to older stuff, so nothing new, but I will just throw uh, Run the Jewels, rap group, great music, fun, and very well thought out lyrically. So give them a listen on Spotify or wherever you get your music. And that's that. Thank you again for listening. If you can go like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family about this podcast. I would appreciate it. And if anybody has a guest in mind or wants to be on the show, reach out. Social media, Sober by Design, the Sober by Design podcast. I am up for guests. Time is freeing up again. And I really enjoy talking to people and would love to hear your story. All right, everybody. See you next week.